Well, good morning, everyone, and want to welcome you to Wheat Among the Tares, our program here from the studios of Gethsemane Global Radio in Lexington, South Carolina. I want to thank you for joining us here this morning, and uh, we are jumping right in to part two of a program that we started last week uh, with Brother Carl Baker. And by the way, Brother Carl, I want to welcome you, our church historian, want to welcome you back to the microphone there this morning, brother. We're delighted to be here again, Brother Blake. And the Lord's let us live another while so we can do it. It, it, uh, I always, no, I don't always say this, but um, I do think, and there's a, a, a saying on the wall at our house that said every day is a gift from God. Amen. And uh, and certainly that the day that the Lord has given that we can glorify him in that. And uh, and our purpose here this morning is to do just that. Um, right. Let me just say from the outset, um, thank you all for those that commented upon this, uh, this program from last week. Uh, concerning Jehovah's Witnesses and how that we are uh, trying to convey to you, uh, our listeners, um, the errors of how and what is propagated by this particular denomination. And it's, uh, and let me just say, it is a very intricate thing that they have developed. And uh, Brother Carl, you can certainly uh, say it hearty amen to that because yes. of the in-depth things that we have already discussed as far as its founding. But now we're the, we've come to the point this morning where we're going to talk about what their doctrines are and the beliefs that they have. Um, I have in my hand right now as we speak, I had printed off a basic summary of the beliefs of the Jehovah's Witnesses, and this comes directly from their website. So it's not something uh, that I concocted on my own. It's what they believe. Mm -hmm. So, Brother Carl, we're going to get started with this this morning. And and for those of you who are listening, uh, if you're listening right now and you know of others that may benefit from this, Text them, give them a quick call, let them know that we're on the air, and tell them to tune in because, again, there's a lot of great, great information that comes out of this to help Brother Carl, to help the saints when it comes to the matters of sound doctrine and then what is, uh, as was recently preached, damnable heresies, as the Apostle Paul says. Jehovah Witness beliefs, number one, has to come from something that's written for them that they can go and say this is where we get our beliefs from it's the new world translation i know you have some background information on that and kind of how that all came about furnish us first of all with how and where that came from the beginning of the jehovah witness uh and the uh, watchtower society its foundation was in in R- Russell, Charles Russell, and um, he, he the only 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 authority he had as far as Bible was concerned, uh, and and the Jehovah Witnesses technically up to 1950 was the authorized version. They used the King James Bible as the uh, the the factor of of the revelation of God is called the scriptures, but they believe that you it, they believe the Bible, and they tell, try to tell you that they believe the Bible is the inspired word of God and such as that. 
But you know, it's um, it's kind of like the new translations and how they translated First uh, Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is inspired by God, is what the authorized version says. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Well, the new translations have changed that. You know why? Because there's an awful lot of people that want to sell Bibles, and uh, and not only that, they and establish they want to be able to establish their doctrines uh, upon the scriptures. But if you if you say all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, you're going to have to identify where the scriptures are. But if you translate it like this. Great. I mean, if you take 1 Timothy 3.16 and say, all Scripture inspired by God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may perfect, be perfect, thoroughly furnished under... Uh, all good works. All good yeah. works. Yeah. Okay, if you, if you change just those first words, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, then you know what? You better start finding out where those Scriptures are that are inspired by God because there's only one book that I know of that is, that has held up to that promise. And that's the authorized version. That's right. Because it contains all the scripture that was inspired by God. But if you go by all scripture inspired by God is all of a sudden it's not the Bible that you're looking for. It's an interpretation you're looking for. So scholarship gets to hold its position. Instead of God being the author of the Bible, scholarship gets to be the author of the Bible. Good point. And the New World Translation is no different. In 19, They didn't have a Bible before 1950. In 1950, they came up with the New Testament of the New World Translation, and in 1961, they came up with the complete Bible. But in so doing, they had to come up with the scriptures and the manuscripts and everything else, if they were going to make them a new Bible. But when they made that new Bible, it is, it is, it is uh, noteworthy in the historical uh, facts that they give on how they translated the New World Translation that is so troubling to true Bible believers. And not only that, but also so enlightening to those same people that are searching out, where did the, where did the New World Translation come from? I, we know that uh, our Bible came from the Texas Receptus, received text, and the, trans, and, and the transmission of the scriptures through the saints. We know where it came from. But where do these new ones come from? Well, the translators, uh, they, t- they say themselves. I, I'm going to read what they say, sure. if I can. Yes. The translators. The New World Translation was produced by the New World Bible Translation Committee. Oh, I see. They've got a committee of their own people. And he said this right here, formed in 1947. This committee is said to have con- comprised unnamed members. Why? Unnamed? Why can't we have their names? You know why? Because then we could look up and see who these people were, their, their abilities, their qualifications, and such as that to be Bible translators. Exactly. If they're going to translate the Bible rather than, you know, uh, put the Bible in, in, in its already transcribed form, you see, if you're exactly, going to leave the yeah. King James and go to your own Bible, I mean, uh, show me your qualifications that you're going to be able to change it because there's no doubt you're going to change it or you wouldn't need a change. 
And so, uh, the, and by the way, the King James translators, their their qualifications were laid <laughs> oh, out, and oh, then some. Their yeah. names and their qualifications. Exactly. Right. Yes. Watch it. This this committee is said to have comprised unnamed members of the uh, multinational background. The committee requested that the Watchtower Society not publish the names of its members, stating that they did not want to advertise themselves, but let all the glory go to the author of the scriptures, God. Really. But how about the author of this translation? Okay, watch this. Uh, Adding that the translation should direct the reader not to the translators, but to the Bible author, Jehovah God. Uh, Well, you mean to tell me that the the New World Translation then is inspired? That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. What they're saying is if it wasn't us, it had to be inspired by God. Okay, well, let's see. Adding that the translation should direct the reader not to the translators, but to the Bible's author, Jehovah God. The publisher stated that the particulars of the New World Translation Committee members, university or other educational training, are not the important thing. I guess not, because when we find out who they really were and find out they weren't educated in translating the scriptures, mm-hmm. we'll find out that it was a biased translation made for them to bolster their doctrines by by perverting the word of God that was already delivered to the saints. Amen. He said the important thing, he says the translation testifies to their qualification. And you know what? If you if you if you get to looking at it, it really does. It shows their qualifications are deceptive. And deception. Brother, the and that is a key point because of the fact, and I know you have something else there, mm-hmm. but that is a key point because everything that they are going to now put in this quote, this New World Translation, as you said, it bolsters their doctrine and enhances, and then this is what they are going to use to convey to the world mm-hmm. that how they are right and everybody else is wrong. And really, you think about that's a cult in and of itself when you point out everybody else is wrong and you're right and you've got, quote, your own Bible now to prove your point. Yes. Doesn't make sense. The translation team, former governing uh, governing body member Raymond France, listed Nathan Cor, Nor, Frederick France, Albert uh, uh, Schroeder, George Gangus, and Milton J. Uh, Henschel, the members of the translation team, add, adding that only Frederick France, only, only him, had sufficient knowledge in biblical languages. And when you really investigate how, how when you uh, had sufficient knowledge, he didn't have sufficient knowledge to translate, uh, to translate the Bible because he did not know these languages in the sense of biblical, in, in, in biblical studies. Just because, let me tell you something, just because I can say, you know, habla espanol doesn't mean I can speak Spanish. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I may know a little bit of Spanish, and I may know, you know, I can, I can, you know, say words in other languages and everything else, but that doesn't mean that I'm a linguist. And I'll tell you, when you're going to translate the Bible and make changes in it like they did. Brother, that brings out, and, and it gets back to the culmination, if you would, of the basis of this new world translation and what what people have put their trust in is is fallible when it comes to 
comparing it with what God gave us in the in the authorized version, which genders us to a discussion now on rather the doctrines themselves yes. and what they believe uh, based on what they garner from their translation. We know that, uh, for instance, the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, a very damnable, and I'm going to use that word, doctrine when it comes to what they believe about the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he is a created being. Let's go with that, first of all, because the basis of uh, who the Lord Jesus is, it spreads across all the other doctrines and everything that that is substantial when it comes to the matter of the redemption of man, uh, the penalty of God upon man, everything, it, it correlates with that. So, first of all, they believe that he is a created being in the sense of a begotten God. When the New World Translation came out, it was given to those men that were renowned as far as at that time in history. Um, met, um, Bruce Metzer, professor of the New Testament um, in Princeton University. He called the New World Translation a frightful translation, erroneous, pernicious, reprehensible. If the Jehovah Witnesses take this translation seriously, he says they're polytheist. They translated verse, a verse, example of their, their, their so-called translating. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him not anything was made that was made, showing you that he is in the creation itself. And particularly part of it. If you go to Colossians chapter 1, it just tells you Christ, by him, all things were created. created that's if right. anything, Christ, if, you, if anybody's the creator, it's Christ. And, he, and, and if, under their logic, he, Christ, he actually created Jehovah. So, I mean, the, the thing about it is, though, is this. The Jehovah Witness translation says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. That one article shows you. There's not a, there's a, 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 I looked through the things where, uh, as far as some of the, the Greek, the Greek uh, those that were Greek scholars and such as that time, that looked over the New World Translation, they said this right here. Just the mistranslation of the Greek language with what was already at hand that they could have used shows that they intended to use the New World Translation as an avenue to manifest their bias with scriptural authority that they perverted a key point because of the fact, and we said it earlier is the fact that they through this translation are trying to substantiate and prove their doctrine. And the only way they can do that is come about with a translation that backs up what they are trying to propagate upon men. We all know brother Carl, that the Lord Jesus is not a created God. He is. Give us a little bit of background. I mean, why why would they say that particular thing as far as him being a created God? Uh, we we talked a couple of things about that earlier. Share that with us, if you would. The reason that the Jehovah Witnesses do not 
accept Christ to be God manifest in the flesh. That's 1 Timothy 3.16, greatest mystery of God. Right. God was manifest in the flesh. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. They changed that to the only begotten God. Whenever you go to 1 Timothy 3.16, they, they uh, greatest mystery of God is God was manifest in the flesh. New World Translation changed that. He who was. They took the scriptures, and when they did, they took all references to the deity. In 1 John 5, 7, there are three that are witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. They take that verse out of the Bible and take uh, 1 John 5, 8 and split it into two verses so that they, they're not caught, you know, with their pants on fire. Right. So uh, anyway, they, they changed the scripture. The important thing about the fact Christ not being deity, it, what it does is this right here is, is they're trying to establish the fact of this right here, that they believe that the Lord thy God is one Lord. And when they do that, they want to make God the principal person, Jehovah. They actually take uh, the Lord himself as far as his personage, as far as the Father's concerned. They want him to be different and, uh, and the creator of all things by himself. Therefore, the important thing of Christ is what he came to do. When, it, when Jesus says, I and my Father are one, they interpret it to be in principle. So he's the co-helper with God to get redemption done. So Christ is seen as the redeemer and the sacrifice for man's iniquities and sin. They accept that, but he is not the Father doing it in Christ. Right. The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That's what it says. That's what it says. Amen. You understand? Amen. But God purchased the church with his own blood in Acts chapter 20. So they're trying to, the, the important thing is to, to alienate Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost is just a force. It is a spiritual force that works in the world to help accomplish the work of God in the world as far as, uh, and, and with the conscience. But they've got the Holy Ghost, not as a person. He's just a spiritual force. Jesus Christ is not God manifest in the flesh. He is, he is a created being to accomplish a work. In fact, Jesus Christ and his work, once he's crucified, and once he is risen from the dead, he has, he has, a, he has a physical body, but then after the resurrection, even though you, Jesus said a spirit, if not flesh and bones, as you see me have, That's right. they turn him right back into a spiritual person. And Jesus, Jesus really and truthfully, not until 1914, becomes king over the kingdom of God in heaven itself. And so in 1914, according to Miller and according to uh, uh, Russell, Jesus Jesus actually took over then. And that's when the devil and his angels were cast out of heaven. And then in 1918, he started establishing the 144,000 of the anointed witnesses that will help reign with him in New Jerusalem. We don't get to inherit heaven when we die. We're going to get to inherit the earth. And 144,000 of Jehovah's Witnesses are going to be the ones who run in the government in heaven. By the way, and, and when you were describing the Trinity, if yes. you would, the God, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and the Bible says, and these three are oh, one. And I'm quoting, I, I'm reading again from off of something that was printed off their website. Yeah, yes. And uh, it says here, and um, it says, however, 
we have learned, talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses from the Bible, that Jesus is not Almighty God and that there is no scriptural basis for the Trinity doctrine. If you destroy the verses, that's what I was just fixing to say. Then you, then you can say, okay, we can substantiate our belief because of that. But if I'm going to write my Bible, and I'm and I'm going to make sure that my Bible is going to back up what I believe, and I come with prejudice to the Scriptures, yeah, there's no hell. You know why? Because they took all the references of hell out of the Bible. All uh, eternal burnings and such as that, they take out of the Bible. They put the rich man and Lazarus as a parable. You understand? Yeah. Everything is spiritualized. Right. Well, it, well, if everything is going to be spiritualized and you take the verses that refer to hell, which most of them were get, made reference to hell was by Jesus Christ himself. That's right. And so uh, when if you're going to take all the reference to it away, naturally— you can say this is it's just not it's not it's Gehenna is the grave, Sheol is the grave. You understand? So it's it's selective, yes, in its approach as far as the propagation. And I'm going to use that word again of their beliefs. It's selective in its approach, and it's also deceptive, yes, in that it has left out many many verses that are in and contained in the authorized version, they themselves, and, I, and I'm, I'm quoting you, they themselves said that they used the authorized version mm-hmm. for a lot of years, and I know that had to cause some consternation because of the fact that there were verses in there that they had to, quote, explain away until they came up with their own translation. They took the Westcott and Hort Greek text of 1881 and used it as the foundation, which used the manuscripts of um, Vaticanus, Sinaiticus, Alexandrinus as the precedence of the translation that they brought into the committee of 1881 to pervert the authorized version at that time. They wanted to do the same thing, so therefore they perverted it too. And what they did is this right here. They gave precedence to the readings of, of those of Westcott and Hort used the method of interpretation, the dynamic equivalencies and such as that, so that they could interpret it the way that they wanted to interpret. And they did exactly, became they became of that number where Paul says in Corinthians, we're not as many as corrupt the word of God. Yes. You know what? They, they're they they're part of that many that corrupt the word of God, and, and they do it. For a, with a bias within themselves, you know. So when you when 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 the when the Bible's plain about a doctrine that you're offended with, let's just change it. And what we'll do is we'll go to a Greek word, we'll go to a Greek Old Testament or Septuagint that they don't they can't even prove existed in that form of a, a codus. We will just take that and we'll just we'll just make the Bible say what we want it to say because we believe we know what they the what the writers of the Bible intended to say and. Brother, and I'm going to take just a second um, with, you mentioned a a term a while ago, uh, dynamic equivalency. For those that are listening, they may know that and may not, but I'm just going to say it is a doctrine that takes and says that the words are not inspired, but that the ideas are inspired and that you can come up, you can use different words to convey the same ideas. Brother, you said it earlier when it says in John 1, 1, in the New World Translation, and the word was a God, one letter yes. that is an article 
as far as the parts of speech, changes the entire doctrine of who the Lord Jesus Christ Absolutely. is. They they took, I don't want to say great liberties because they didn't have really the liberty to do this. They have taken uh, and, and absolutely perverted and come up with their own translation in order to prove their doctrines. You mentioned the fact that, and, and I'm reading here, they do not believe that the uh, that a loving God would torture any person in a fiery hell. They uh, nor do they teach that humans have an immortal soul or that Christians should meddle in politics of all things. That's another part of what they believe. All of these things, brother um, Carl, that we can see in the scriptures. I mean, the Lord Himself dealt with as you said earlier he spoke more about the doctrine of hell than anybody else did and um so brother it comes down to the point of saying they prove their own doctrines by rewriting in order to their convey of their own prejudice brother carl in, in in closing we've come to the bottom of the hour here um as far as as what you could summarized as far as the Jehovah's Witnesses are, we call them the JWs, but Jehovah's Witnesses are as far as this, this a summary, it, it, for the lack of another term. Um, give us your thoughts on that as far as saying, how do you combat if, if somebody comes in contact with a Jehovah's Witness? Just a couple of points that maybe come to your mind and say, Hey, here's how you deal with the Jehovah's Witness. Back when I was a lot younger and a little bit more forceful, um, I I really was glad to see the Jehovah's Witnesses come, so I could let them sit on the front porch and uh, open up my Bible and begin to witness to them and build build a foundation around the authority of the Scriptures itself. You have to establish an authority. I don't care who you're dealing with, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, or anybody else. Right. What will be the authority that will actually manifest who is right or wrong about something so important like salvation? The Jehovah's Witnesses believe this right here, according to Matthew 24, verse 13, that um, there's no such thing as eternal security because it says in that passage right there, that he that endureth to the end, the same should be saved. You can believe in Jesus Christ as a redeemer, but you've also got to work in the kingdom itself. If you're going, if you're converted to it, and you're working in the in the kingdom, uh, you've got to be a you've got to be baptized. It, it's a a valid point of salvation. You must be baptized. But they believe when they do that, they mean just like the Mormons or anybody. You must be baptized within the organization itself. You got to be baptized by them. Catholic, same thing, and so even some some Baptists think that's that. right. They they think this right here. You got to be baptized by a certain Baptists. But let me tell you something: if the authority is the Scriptures itself, if you can't establish what will be the authority and it be the Scriptures, and it's going to be something perverted or something like that, well then I'm going to say this right here: you got a rough road to hoe, because you know what. They are of that subverted class that Paul talks about in First Timothy. 
I mean, Second Timothy chapter two. Mm-hmm. They are subverted to what they have. They they're put within classes and everything else, and given every means by which to combat the Bible believer, and they use their translation now to do that, and say the best manuscripts say this and all. They change the Bible itself. But if you take the scriptures, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna deal with a Jehovah Witness or anybody else. I'm going to establish the fact of this right here, that the Bible that I hold, I believe, is the inspired Word of God. And a lot of times in their ignorance, they'll say, oh, we do too. I say, okay, well then, let's use this Bible then. And let's, uh, it's been around a lot longer than yours. Yours showed up in 1961. Mine, mine showed up at uh, Antioch of Syria in the first century. And so I said, you know, let's, let's just take the English translation and let's just discuss salvation. And then I, I deal with salvation on the basis of what it says, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God, faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. and works meet for repentance. Amen. Not works so that you can be saved. He's already done the work for you. I show John chapter 1, the word was God. I show him 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I show them 1 John 5, 7. They say, well, well, that's not in the Bible. I said, let me say, I had one tell me one time, and I'll I'll leave it with this. You've got to establish that authority if you're going to deal with anybody about the truth. Don't worry about the truth. It'll take care of itself. If you'll just preach and show that authorized version and what it says, the Holy Spirit will take care of that thing about, because he makes conscience. He gave us our conscience. Right. The law of God written in our hearts. And he's the law of God written on the book. And I'll tell you this right here. Don't worry. If God created us, that part of that creation that he put within us too, it'll bear witness with the Spirit. Yes, sir. When when he comes in the world, he'll reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And go get your Bible out. And you're trusting people who had a bias to write you a Bible and change it and pervert it. And you're wagering your soul, young man, on something you have no knowledge of whatsoever. Amen. And I said, you know something? Your soul is way too precious to sell it so cheap. Amen. I says, you, 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 I'll tell you what, you read this book right here and then read that, and then you tell me that one is not different than the other. Amen. The difference is the Spirit of God. Yes, sir. Carl Baker, I want to thank you, brother, for joining us here this morning. Uh, part two of this Jehovah's Witness situation here that we've done with regard to the beliefs of the Jehovah's Witness. And uh, I think that the, um, the information conveyed here to our listeners, those that not only have listened this morning, but also that will listen to this podcast subsequently, uh, I trust it'll be a help and a blessing to those that hear it. Brother, thank you so much for coming this morning. Thank you for joining us this morning here for Weed Among the Tares. It's it's been our pleasure to have you aboard and trust that you will join us every Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Pray for us here and have a good day in the Lord. 